everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about The Hunt. I just got out of seeing that movie in theaters and really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, as the format typically goes, I'll try and give you guys a little bit of a spoiler-free review, and then from there we'll go into full spoilers for this movie to talk about it. Uh, found some cool interviews, especially one from Damian Lindelof. Uh, to go over and talk about as well. So really excited to talk about this movie. Uh, the Hunt was a movie that was supposed to come out last year, but uh, for uh, reasons we will discuss coming up as well, it was pushed back. And uh, the movie was directed by Craig Zobel and written by Nick Cruz and Damian Lindelof, who also produced as well, uh, with a great cast, all-star cast of uh, Hilary Swank, Ike Barinholtz, Emma Rogers, Emma Roberts, and uh, Justin Hartley, along with a great turn from Glenn Howerton from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and then the star Betty Gilpin, who uh, did a phenomenal, fantastic job. So. Uh, This movie was supposed to come out last year, and for those of you who are not aware of why it was pushed back, so the movie was scheduled to come out September 27th last year, and when that trailer was released, uh, I was pretty excited for it. I was was actually pumped. I was like, ooh, this looks like it's going to be a fun movie. And all of a sudden, uh, what happened, I guess it wasn't that suddenly, but uh, on August 7th of uh, 2019, uh, Universal announced that they were going to be uh, suspending the film's promotional campaign and then a couple of days later pulled the movie from the release schedule uh, due to the sh- mass shootings in Dayton and El Paso, which uh, at the time, I, it makes sense. It was a good move. Uh, there were a lot of people who, uh, including myself, you know, for a long time I forgot because, you know, this happened and then obviously, you know, the news cycles go and you, you forget things. But I thought that the movie got pushed back because there was a uh, there was a ton of outrage around this movie from one political side of the spectrum or the other, uh, basically saying that, you know, this movie's crazy, it's depicting, uh, it's an anti-Trump movie, other people saying it's an anti-liberal movie. Uh, it's one of those movies you definitely need to see for yourself. And in a very good way, because uh, much like a lot of these films that have a sort of charged background around them, a very controversial backstory, uh, the movie is not as controversial as it seems. And certainly this movie plays off of that controversy. It is it is right out in the open. It is in your face. But it's done so in a, a very satirical way. So uh, there, for those of you, or I guess I, I would just say for those who are um, leaning more red that are Trump supporters, there's moments where it's like, haha, like we got you Trump supporters. But there's also moments where it's like, hey, they're not so bad. And then same thing on the other end for, um, I guess those for conservatives, for for liberals as well. Same thing. They are, uh, they are perpetrated in here as the bad guys. But at the same time, they explain a lot of things. It's like, well, you know, that kind of made sense too. So they, all of the characters in this film are essentially just hyper caricatures of different types of people that I'm sure all of us know, specifically if we're on social media. And I'm going to go, I'll go into that too when we go into the spoiler review portion of this. But overall, it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I actually laughed a couple times when I wasn't really expecting to. And the action was uh, really good. It was awesome. Way better than I was expecting as well. Uh, The performances were great. 
there's a couple little nitpicks, I guess, and I, I wouldn't even call them little. They could be a little more than little. But uh, the movie is short. It's only an hour and a half. So with credits, maybe that's an hour and 25 minutes, hour and 23. Uh, so super short film. And because of that, there are some instances where things aren't really explained. And uh, part of me really likes that. I think it's great that uh, you know a movie is brave enough to do that, to say, you know what, here's what we've got, here's, here's what you're seeing, and you're going to have some questions at the end of it, and we're going to leave it open-ended in that way. Uh, and so that does happen, but um, at the same time, it's, it's uh, kind of frustrating because it's like, ah, oh, man, I wanted to know more, and uh, obviously it was cut short due to the, the short runtime. As well, it seemed like maybe the message of the movie wasn't entirely clear, especially by the end of it. At least for me, I enjoyed that, and I liked that, there's a, a sort of who's actually right in this argument and you know sometimes if you give a non-answer that's not a good answer uh, but in this case I thought it worked well uh, but I could easily see that being something where some people probably wouldn't have liked that but again overall really great um, especially uh, Miss Gilpin the uh, Betty Gilpin as Crystal and um, she just, I was not expecting the action to be as good as it was. I wasn't, any movie, and I've talked about this before, but any movie that has that Taken vibe where the main character uh, basically just kills everybody, uh, any movie that does that, uh, I'm down for. And I, I'm not going to say who she does or doesn't kill, but it, it's like Taken in the same sense like John Wick, where uh, the main character is just an absolute badass, which is great. And actually funny because there was, uh, and I'll go into this when we do the spoiler, but there was an instance where I was like, man, I wish I wish John Wick was in this movie. <laughs> and uh, we'll get to that here in a second. But yeah, so overall, really good stuff, really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you guys do too, at least to check it out if it's something that you're wanting to do. For those of you who are staying indoors for the coronavirus, hey, more power to you. Stay safe. There's a ton of great streaming stuff out right now. But for those who uh, are willing to go out into the theater, uh, check this one out. I think it's enjoyable, especially because you won't have to be in the theater that long because it's pretty short. Uh, so for now, we will go into full spoilers for this movie starting now. So for those of you that don't want to, you can either turn this off or pause it and come back. Otherwise, you have have been warned so uh the the john wick piece i've just got to say that right away so uh the movie starts out uh just it it starts out running and i loved that it just throws you right into th this world and uh with the, such a short runtime, you had to have had that like there's no time to have exposition and setup and so basically what's happening is um, there's this uh, thing called Manor Gate. And what it is, is a lot of um, people are discussing this conspiracy, not unlike Watergate, Pizzagate, whatever you want to call it, where, uh, where liberal elites are capturing, um, I mean, you could just call it conservatives, Trump supporters, whatever you want to call it. It's just capturing people and taking them to a manor where they, you know, the manor's got property, whatever the case may be, they're hunting them for sport. And that is the premise of the movie. And so the movie starts out, uh, throws you right into it where these, um, uh, these people are being taken by plane somewhere and uh, are drugged in the back of the plane and taken to this manor. And one of them actually wakes up and walks out into the plane and is like, what? Like, what's going on? 
and uh, you don't really know. You're like, oh, okay, and and the people in the plane are like, oh, acting like it's completely normal. Oh, you know, you just woke up. Why don't you lay down here? And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Hillary Swank comes out, and you don't ever see Hillary Swank's face until closer to the end of the movie. But she basically kills this guy. She stabs her stiletto in his eye. And, um, that's after another person stabbed a pen in the guy's neck. It's, it's crazy bloody, crazy gory. And if you like that kind of stuff, it's great. And again, like I said earlier, Damian Lindelof co-wrote this and produced it definitely has some of his vibes on it. And I think he's fantastic and, and we'll get to his interview in a bit, but it's also important to point out that this was a Blumhouse movie and also produced by Jason Blum of Blumhouse. I have become a Blumhouse fan, and I'm really happy that I have uh, because I feel like in the diver- the diversification of my movie portfolio, uh, if you were to ask me what my favorite movie studio was, I'm pretty sure you, uh, you'd know the answer. It's uh, Marvel Studios. But uh, on top of that, you know, yeah, like, oh, I love Disney. Oh, I love Universal, all that stuff. But like, in terms of besides Marvel Studios, the only movie studio that I truly know a lot about is A24. And so it was like, okay, I have my mainstream favorite studio and I have my small budget studio. But I think I Blumhouse is now in there. And so I would say my top three studios are probably Marvel, A24, and Blumhouse in that order. Uh, Blumhouse consistently puts out good movies. And I, I want to stress that, that they're good movies. Not not always great movies and certainly not always bad movies, though there are both of each. But um, they're consistently good. And, and they all, at least whenever I see a Blumhouse coming up on the screen, I know that I'm going to be entertained. And for the most part, I know that the ideas in that film are going to be um, creative uh, to say the least, because most of those movies are ones where it's like some wild thing. Like you got Blumhouse did uh, Truth or Dare, they did Fantasy Island, they did uh, all the Conjuring movies, the Annabelle movies. I'm trying to think, there's some other ones too. But there's oh, uh, the Happy Death Day movies, like just really creative premises. And uh, this is another one where yeah, I guess this premise is is kind of a fever dream of what some people probably dream about but for the most part it's a really creative premise and we're going to get into why so i forgot to mention as well the opening scene of this is hillary swank's character and again you never see her face but you know it's her she's tech she's in a, having a group text and in the group text um it gets to the point where she makes a message and says uh i can't something like i can't wait for the hunt uh, so that we can slaughter some deplorables or something like that. She definitely says deplorables in the hunt. I don't remember the exact verbiage. But then someone else replies and says, we promise not to talk about that in the text group. And then someone else was like, deleting this thread. And it was like, oh, okay. So like they're really playing this up. Like this is a real thing. So it's not a conspiracy. And so they're all on the plane and they land. And so then literally the next scene is all of these characters waking up. So we first wake up with Emma Roberts. So Emma Roberts is there. All of them have gags around their mouth, uh, like plastic gags. And uh, they're all kind of in this field wondering. And we are too, like, well, you know, what's going on? What's the plan? We know they're about to be hunted. But still, it's like, well, okay, how did they get here sort of thing? Because we wake up right in the middle of it. And uh, there's a giant box in the middle of this field. And so one of the guys opens up the box 
and they find some keys. Emma Roberts finds some keys to undo the. Uh, all of their gags are locked with a small lock on the back of their uh, on the back of their head. So um, they unlock it. So very anti saw, right? Like they they just do that no problem. I'm like, okay, this movie's going really well. And then uh, they pull out, and you see this in the trailer too. Inside the box is a small little pig. Uh, which I think goes back to Animal Farm. There's a discussion about that at the end of the movie. and uh, But then the rest of it is just a big old thing of guns, all different kinds of guns, AK, uh, big assault rifles, pistols, some knives. And so these people are like, give me my guns. They're like, we got to have our guns. And um, all of a sudden... Uh, and this is where this is probably my, the the best part of the movie. And it, there's a couple of other good parts, but this beginning is so good because it and and Damian Lindelof talks about it in this interview he did with IGN, uh, talking about this this idea that uh, trying to confuse the audience about finding who the main character of the movie is. And they wanted to show that because, you know, there's this is just such a crazy movie that they wanted to make it so that you couldn't trust who the main character was and know that literally anyone in this movie can die. And I thought that was great. So they're all getting guns and all of a sudden, and so at this point, like I said, Emma Roberts has been on screen for what, three minutes and she gets her head blown off right then and there. First death of the movie drops down. And it was so funny too, because so it's her, um, Ike Barinholtz is there, Justin Hartley from this is us. Uh, and then, um, we don't see the main character, Crystal, uh, played by, uh, was it, I keep, I'm remembering her name, but Betty, uh, Betty Gilpin. I'm going to have to remember that because she did such a good job. But uh, So they're all in this field, and it's like, oh, man, there's a ton of really big stars here. And and Lindelof talks about it as well, and I'll, I'll quote him here in a second. But um, he dies, and then so – literally everyone dies. So Emma Emma's being helped by Justin, and she gets shot in the face. And they're like, oh, no, like where's the gun coming from? And so all these people are scrambling in this field to find cover. And this one lady runs and falls into a hole that has spikes in it. And she's pierced through with two spikes. Justin Hartley helps her out of the pit, and she's still okay. And I'm thinking, like, uh, what? She's got a, she got impaled. But they're walking away. Justin Hartley steps on a mine, looks down, and goes, oh, and looks at her, and they both explode. She gets exploded back into that hole she was in and is impaled again. And another guy runs up to her, and she's like, "Give me your gun," and he's like, "What?" And he's like, she's like, I, I want to kill myself. And he's like, what? No, let me help you. She's like, quit being a snowflake and grabs the gun and shoots herself. And I'm just thinking, wow, like multiple people. And so now they're all running in, in this forest and another guy gets killed with arrows. And so now it's Ike Barinholtz and two other people. And you've, you see this in the trailer as well. They go to a, uh, a gas station and the people in the gas station are in on it as well and you know it cuz you've seen the trailer but uh one of the, so the three people that are in there one of them starts eating food from the convenience store dies she gets poisoned then the other guy i think he gets shot as well but then Ike Barinholtz gets buckshot immediately by this guy well not immediately he calls the police quote unquote police it's it's whoever's answering the phone but then this guy shoots him in the chest with a shotgun so all three of them are now dead and i'm just thinking 
And I, I do, I'm, I'm standing by. So, so here's what Lindelof said. So I'll quote it. Uh, then it was like, well, okay. So once Emma Roberts' character dies, well, she's dead. But now Justin Hartley has got to be the star of this movie. He wouldn't just come down and do one day of filming, right? No, he just exploded. There's Ike Barinholtz. He looks familiar. I love that guy. He was great in Neighbors. Like, it's going to be him who's our main character. And then he buys it at the gas station. So I think it's the intent. The intention was to create a feeling in the audience, the same emotional experience that those hunted had which is anybody can go at any time and i'm not going to basically get too attached to any of these people because this is a movie where any hero can die and it is i mean he hits a nail on the head for that it i I could i didn't know i'm like well i was like well where's that lady where's where's betty gilpin because i hadn't seen her yet and so then when she comes around i was like okay i can get down with her because she walks into this gas station She's like, can I get a pack? And the two people in the gas station at this point, and I'll point out, this is where this is where the first in- instance of cringe was for me. These two people in the gas station have this conversation after they've killed everyone about NPR and whether you can call black people black or African-American or, you know, oh, oh we're just white people. And they're these old people. So it's like they're, they're already kind of setting the stage that the liberal elites who are f- doing the hunt are absolute caricatures of what I'm assuming is the liberal elite, the Hillary, the Clintons, and the the whatevers of the world. Uh, and I'm sure, obviously, there's people like that out there, but not all liberals are like that. Not all uh, Democrats are like that. But in this movie, they're specifically caricatures to, to make you laugh because they're so dumb and they're so um, entitled and, and all, you know, X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, the people who are being hunted are have their own problems too. I mean, they, uh, they say a lot of things in these movies about uh about i'm trying to think there's i mean just think about it any political topic that you think is a hot button issue right now is probably touched upon in this movie and it's mostly done so for laughs but sometimes it's a little too on the nose and it's like okay we get it we get it it's a political movie i understand i enjoyed it but there again were a couple of instances of cringe and that was one of them but so um gilpin comes in the rooms uh crystal in the gas station and at this point they're like they're trying to read they're they're hit the bodies they're trying to make it look like it's a gas station again and so she walks in and they're like hey like can we help you and she's like what state am i in and they're the guy like giggles and she's like is that funny or do you not want to answer my question and he's like well no it just you know you'd think that somebody would know what state they're in and she's like okay and so the lady hands her a pack of cigarettes and she's like do you want matches with that she was like yes please and so she has some money in her pocket and hands it to her. The lady hands her change. And then she looks up at the lady and the lady's like, what's wrong? And she grabs the lady's head and slams it down on the counter and then jumps over the counter, kicks the other guy, shoots him with the shotgun that's under the desk, and then shoots her with a shotgun as well. Uh, and I hope I'm remembering that correctly. But she's like, she goes, uh, cigarettes in Arkansas are only $6. And I was like, okay. So she, it was weird. Like I, I, it's like, okay, well, how do you, how, what, how much money did you give her? Cause she got like 10 bucks and change. No idea. But I'm like, okay, this lady's smart. She knows what's going on. So she starts doing some investigating and sees the people in the back. And again, Betty Gilpin does such a good job of playing a character that not only has no idea what is going on, but also knows exactly what's going on, and that is that is portrayed as this cool, collected um, these mannerisms where she just she knows what to do in every single situation, but she gives these looks 
like she is dealing with the stupidest people in the world like her eyes she gets you know wide eyes or huffing and puffing but in the in the absolute best way and it's really hard to explain but she just does it so good and I'll highlight it when we get to a later scene which was one of my favorite scenes but um but so she's walking so now she's walked out and she grabbed the walk their walkie-talkie so she can kind of hear what's going on and she walks out and uh, there's a truck outside. It's got an Arkansas plate. She pulls the plate off, and there's another plate underneath it. It looks like a foreign plate. And so then she goes and she goes to take open the door, but notices there's a string on the door attached to C4 on the truck. So she's smart. She knows what's going on. And then uh, so the, the the bad guy, we'll call them the bad guys. The bad guys, uh, the elite, they send a drone in to see what's going on. Drone gets shot down. And then another guy comes out. So another hunted person comes out, and his name is Dan. And he is uh, he is the conspiracy theory caricature. So they explain that he explains at some point that he ran a podcast. Uh, he basically hates illegal illegals, illegal immigration, immigration in general. And so that's his thing. And so we find out, and we'll find out, I'll show you, tell you more as we get to the scene with it. But so that's what he kind of explains because she's like, all right, we need to go. And he's like, why? And she's like, because you shot the drone down and now they know that we're here. So they jump on a train and in the train are some illegals. And he's he's like, oh, like, oh, you guys are crisis actors. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, this is so like... This was kind of cringe, kind of cringe, but at the same time, it goes with the story. And so he's like, the like, it's literally like a family of fi- or like fifteen people, and it seems as though they are the basic the the main guy of this group of refugees or whatever they are at this point uh, is he's from um, a series of unfortunate events. He plays the man with with hooks for hands, and that's his name. And so the train eventually stops, and they're at like a. I could only describe, it felt like a concentration camp. Uh, they get out of the train. It's a bunch of military people. All of these refugees are in camps. And uh, so she's kind of putting two together. And at the at this point, she's taken to talk to, um, uh, she's taken to talk to uh, like the leader. And it's him, it's her and him and, uh, or Dan, Dan. And, so, and at this point, the guy, the one from a series of unfortunate events he turns to Dan, and this whole time he's been talking in a foreign accent, but he turns to Dan, he's like, you need to stop, and Dan's like, I knew it, I knew it, but uh, he ends up running away, he tries, he blows that guy up with a grenade, Dan grabs a grenade, pulls it, and throws it down the guy's pants, and uh, he explodes on camera, it's pretty nuts, but then Dan disappears, so we don't see him, she goes to talk with the, the leader, and he, she's like, I'm being, we're being hunted, and she's like, he was like, huh, there's another guy here who said that they're being hunted. And he's she's like, he's like, where do you think you are? He's like, I she's like, I don't know. You tell me. She's like, I'm not gonna tell you. She goes, like, okay, well, based on the license plate I saw and the 15-hour plane ride that I was on, and I was kidnapped in Mississippi. She's like, maybe we're in Bosnia or something like that. And he kind of nods and is like, huh, okay. And so then she comes out is you know eating food and meets up with this other guy who's been hunted who is this older man who wears a naval like pow type hat and he's very um i guess you could describe him as a redneck i mean everyone in the movie does but um so they're kind of eating and he's like i can't wait to blow this thing wide open and uh, just wait till the american embassy gets to us and uh, so then they do. Uh, the car comes up, takes them in the car, and they drive off. And the guy's like, I am so sorry this happened to you. 
Uh, he's like, but do you, you know, do you, are you, have you wondered why yet? Have you, do you find out why they chose you in specific? And the guy's like, well, you think this is our fault? And she, oh my God, Betty Gilpin is in the front seat. And she, again, just her eyes and her acting, she gives him this look, the driver. She grips the, uh, the, the hold arm rest thing that's hanging from the car that you hold on to when there's a tight turn. And I'm like, what's she about to do? She slowly grabs it with both of her hands, pulls her feet up from the seat, rotates herself like she's doing a workout, aims at the guy and kicks him in the face with both of her feet and then opens the car door, kicks him out. She's in the driver's seat now. She stops the car, reverses it and runs the guy over. And this person in the car is like, what are you doing? Like, this was our ticket out of here. And so she walks out into the back, opens the trunk, and our good friend Dan is knifed in the head in the trunk. So this guy was definitely working with the elites. And uh, so now it's like, oh, this thing's kind of blown wide open. And the man's like, I don't, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, we're going to basically like, we're going to figure it out. She tells a really good story about the tortoise and the hare, a very better telling, a much better telling of it, especially in the, the political ways of this movie. And so then we get to the best, the, what I would say is the best action scene in the movie. So uh, they drive back to where they came because I think the, the intention is they were supposed, they would drive away. And they're not is the plan. Like we're not going to drive away, and so they're the the rest of the elites are in the the bunker where they were originally shooting people earlier in the day, and it's it's uh, there's there's a four of them. There's a couple guys, one girl, and then a military man who's their consultant, and they're chit chatting. There's some jokes, some more political sort of stuff, a little cringy, not too bad, but then. Um, one of the guys go, oh, it's uh, it's Glenn Howard, and he goes out to go to the bathroom, and the the old man's there holding. He they found a pig in the the pig in the woods. He's like, is this your pig? And he's like, what? And while he's saying that, uh, uh, Crystal Betty Gilpin slits his throat, kills him. He's dead. Boom, another kill down. And so it was. And what I will mention about John Wick is a, probably within the first fifteen minutes of this movie, I was I was thinking to myself. What if they kidnapped the wrong person? How funny of a movie would that be? Like, how badass of a movie would that be if they kidnapped John Wick? That would be so cool because, like, they're like, ah, oh, you know, we're going to kill these people. We're going to kill these deplorables. And John Wick's, like, looking at them like, you have no idea who you've kidnapped, do you? They're like, yeah, an idiot. And he's like, okay, we'll see what happens when, when I get all my guns in that box. And then John Wick just kills everybody. Like, I would go pay to see that movie. Uh, and so I giggled because this scene sets into motion that Betty Gilpin is the female John Wick in this movie. And I was like, oh, awesome. Hell yeah. So she busts into this bunker. And um, well, so first the old man drops the pig into the bun- bunker. Everyone in the bunker kind of freaks out like, holy crap, there's a pig in here and starts shooting it. And they're like, oh, my God, it was just a pig. But then she busts in and immediately kills everybody. She and I'm not going to explain how because I don't want to spoil everything in this film, but it's ba- absolutely badass. Kills everybody in there. And so she's left talking with uh, Dan. She kills Dan as well. Dan apparently was in on it. The After she kills everyone, Dan's got his gun on him and over the radio you hear dan did did is she there yet can you you know can you take care of her and he's she's like oh you're working with him and or with them he's like no no that's not the case and she's he's like dan or the lady on the it's it's hillary swank is saying dan you don't have to you know the the jig is up you can kill her and so she shoots him too and it's like you know good better safe than sorry this that's the greatest part about her role in this movie 
Everything that should be done in a crisis situation like this is done. I've complained about that in prior scary movies where the the main character, it's like, oh my God, why did you go in the basement? Or why didn't you kill that person? Why didn't you just knock him over the head? She does not mess around and that makes this movie awesome. So she's sitting there with uh, the guy who's bleeding out, the military guy who's the the consultant. And um, she's like, who, you know, where is she? Where can I find Hillary Swank basically? And he doesn't want to tell her. He's like, and she's like, she does this thing and I can't even describe it the way that she explains why she's doing what she's doing because we ne- this is what I was saying earlier was in terms of the frustration around not knowing enough I was dying to know more about her and she does this thing where she is trying to explain why but it is a it is basically her saying that she works at a rental car company and it's interspersed between her like giving these really wide-eyed sighs with a tear coming out of like it's just it's an intense thing where i feel like in a real world that's how somebody would react where she like can't properly explain because she's just in fight or flight mode but we do get out that she was in afghanistan or, or fought in afghanistan and this consultant guy was like, oh, I was in the National Guard. And she gives another eye thing like, okay. He, and she's like, so you've never seen any action, have you? He, she, he goes, well, I have now. And she's like, well, that's true. And shoots him right in the face. Like she is so cold and and dry-witted in the best way. Like I could have watched a three-hour movie with her. And so she she goes to the manor and finds him. And at this point, that's so that's the big action piece, I'd say. And so then it goes to a flashback, a one year before flashback. And essentially what this flashback finds out is that there was never a hunt that Hillary Swank was joking around in her text group. But because of that, her text got out. One of the people in her text group was hacked. And so everyone saw that. And so it was like, you're basically giving legitimacy to the fact that there is a hunt that elites actually do hunt deplorables and she's like it was a joke but then she goes who who like who is saying that there is a hunt and i'm like oh no so essentially there never was one but there is now because she wants to kill the people who are spreading this rumor and she is now creating a self-fulfilling prophecy of that. So it's this, it's the perfect chicken in the egg of like, what's true? And, and we dive into it a little bit more in the end. But at this point, you start, the wheels start spinning of like, there never was a hunt, but you're making there be a hunt because you want to end the people who are saying there's a hunt, like, oh my god, and so they basically picked some of the most questionable people who are doing it, like the guy who had a podcast, who was podcasting about the the hunt, and we find out that Justin Hartley's character was a big game hunter, and, like, shared, but much like the Cecil the Lion type piece of it, Emma Roberts was, uh, Actually, I don't think that they discussed her, but there was another person who was at like a, they have photos of them up on the wall and, or they're like going through a slideshow picking the people like, Ooh, we want to kill that one. And it's like, wow, you guys are crazy. But there's somebody who was like anti-gay and there's another one. Ike Barinholtz is, uh, what? I, well, I don't remember what it was that he, he, maybe his was a right to bear arms. Cause he says something about like, I own seven guns before he gets shot. And, uh, and then Crystal's character was picked because, uh, same thing. She like sees the photo. She's like, she's one of them. hundred percent. Some justice for y'all is like, she ran something and she was actually anti-Athena 
who is Hillary Swank's character, his name is Athena, and um, she, I guess, made some videos about Athena, whatever the case may be, and uh, so then it's like, okay, so now we know what the why behind this hunt, so this is actually the first hunt, there never was a hunt before this, and uh, so now she's at the house, she gets to the house, comes inside the manor, and it's her and Hillary Swank, and Hillary Swank is kind of to going through her whole backstory and explaining to her like this is why we did it because you guys would not shut up you guys you guys like you're the dumbest and most uneducated people in society and yet you think these sort of things like and we we elites we put up with it we pay for your stuff we you know the classic classic uh polarizing arguments that you hear and uh and crystal smiles betty gilpin's character and she goes you know, there's just one thing that's wrong about your statement. And she's like, looks at her and she's like, you got the wrong crystal. She's like, in my town, there are two crystals, like with the exact same name. She's like, but my middle name is a little different than hers. And so it was like, oh no. And she's like, she's like, you're lying. She's like, I'm not lying. She was like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I did but I'm going to kill you basically. And then they have like a 15 minute fight in the house and it's awesome. It's so good fighting all over the rooms, busting each other up. Oh man, it's just so good. And she is Betty Gilpin just kills it. And Hillary Swank does too. She does such a really, uh, just a great job. And, uh, and then, uh, they get to this point where it looks as though Hillary Swank is delivering the killing blow, but no, in fact, it is Betty Gilpin who does. And I won't share how actually I will. Well, no, it involves, let's just say it involves a, one of the blade thing, spinny things that you would off, you would find in a ninja, uh, like a ninja food processor, which was awesome. But, uh, they're both, and they're both laying on the floor. And, and so during that flashback sequence, she calls Betty Gilpin's character the snowball. And so they're both lying down, bleeding out, dying. And uh, Crystal says, can I just ask you one question? Why snowball? And Hilary Swank kind of smiles. She's like, yeah, that wouldn't make sense. It's from Animal Farm. That's the, that's the pig that everyone kind of um, rallied around. And, um, you know, that was the... And she goes... No, she goes, I, I've read Animal Farm. I know Animal Farm. I'm just wondering why me? And she's like, you really aren't Crystal, are you? And she's like, no. And well, that's what she says, I think. She asks, she says, can I ask you a question? And she says, um, I think she asks her, like, are you really Crystal? And she was like, no, I'm not. And then uh, Hilary Swank dies. And uh, Crystal gets up. She's not dead, not even close. She cauterizes her wounds, gets dressed in Hillary Swank's clothing, grabs a really expensive bottle of champagne that was a funny gag in the movie, and then walks out to a plane that's sitting in the backyard that presumably they would have all flown home on. And the, the uh, oh my God, it's so great. She gets in the plane and the two flight attendants who are in, in the beginning of the movie are there. She's like, hey, she goes, hey, uh, I don't know if you remember me. I was kidnapped against my will and thrown on this plane and taken here to be hunted and uh, killed. And I, instead I killed everybody. So everybody's dead. We're good. I just need a ride home. Is that going to be a problem? And they're like, no, not at all. <laughs> and she's got, she's holding a gun. And the lady's like, can I get you some champagne? She's like, yeah, that would be great. And, uh, and that's, and the movie ends. 
and uh, so it was good. Like I said, there's there's still some questions, some things I didn't I didn't get an answer to, but overall it was really fun and I a great theater experience. It was a, a blast, and it definitely wasn't as I don't know what the word would be controversial as people were saying it is. Like I said, a lot of these movies they uh, they are prefaced by outrage in the media, by intense media scrutiny. And you go see the movie and you're like, oh, well, the media clearly didn't see this movie. And that's that's this case, 100%. Yes, this is a politically charged movie, but it has done so in the name of comedy. It is not trying to paint one or the other. And I was thinking about that in the car ride home because who's the bad guys in this situation, right? So the if you, if you are someone who leans more towards being a liberal elite or just being liberal in general, you may say, oh, okay, well, the, the conservatives are the bad guys because that's what I've been raised to believe. But the liberals are the ones that are hunting them. So aren't they the bad guys? But the people that are being hunted killed uh, defenseless animals and are racists. Aren't they the bad guys? So they put a mirror up to both sides, which I think if you go see this movie with the right people who are willing to talk about it, I think can uh, bring about some really good conversations. And it definitely did so in ours. We had some, some fun conversations after we were out. But that is The Hunt. And like I said, I do recommend this movie. I would recommend going to see it in theaters. Obviously, with the coronavirus, you may need to wait if that's what you want to do. And if so, just check it out when it comes on streaming as well. But for comics and cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. (laughs) 